This is Dialogue, a podcast series from American Mosaic. Just driving around the country, talking to people about roots, family, community, jobs, kids, whatever is on their mind today. These aren't really interviews, they're uh, unscripted uh, conversations with uh, total strangers saying whatever's on their mind. That is some good road music. In a small Iowa town, a Pulitzer Prize winning editor defends immigrants and is not afraid to take on big agricultural business in Iowa. Kind of interested in um, the background here, you know. Um, don't know much about the paper, but when you know, kind of when you started, you know, it's like how long you've been doing this, and uh, I'd love to hear just a little bit about. Uh, you know, obviously you've had a goal, a mission, some some ideas about what you wanted to accomplish here, and uh, it sounds like maybe you've achieved some of that. A uh, little bit, a uh, little bit about that. My voice is really not going to be on here. I'm mm-hmm. not, this is not like an interview as much as I just want to hear you kind of telling your story and kind of talking. And, um, and if you start something, if you just kind of introduce the subject so it's already already started there a little bit. And if you come to a, a, a point, we'll just kind of stop and then we'll kind of maybe start a little new thing. I'm interested in also in the area. I'm interested in uh, what you were talking about. Uh, you know, what is farming today? What does it mean for, what does it mean for uh, the community? What does it mean to the country? What does it mean for farmers? Um, I think perhaps it's, it is misunderstood by a lot of people. Um, nothing is what it used to be. Right. And uh, maybe speak to that a little bit, because there's an awful lot of people today that think on some places in some part of their mind that, oh, we're going to go back to what we used to have. We are where we are. Uh, and uh, however I, I think we need probably need to look at the past to uh, if we want to survive the future but uh, yeah I'm with you on that uh, my name's Art Cullen I'm the editor of the Storm Like Times in Storm Like Iowa and uh, this newspaper was founded by my brother John who's the publisher and he founded it in 1990 in our hometown which is a town of about 10 to 15,000 people in northwest Iowa, halfway between Fort Dodge and Sioux City. Uh, and uh, we're not sure what the population is because the immigrant population here is so large that uh, the census uh, simply can't record it accurately. I'll, they might claim otherwise, but uh, but we believe it's a town of about 10 to 15,000 people. Um, and uh, about 80%, or excuse me, about 88% of our elementary school enrollment are children of color, uh, mainly Latino, from uh, primarily Mexico and then secondarily Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador. So uh, Storm Lake has attracted a lot of attention over the years uh, because of the, it's probably the most diverse city in the Midwest, if not the country. there's over 21 languages spoken here. I, I guess New York, excuse me, New York would be certainly more diverse, or, and probably Miami. But uh, Storm Lake's an interesting 
small town. It's one of the few rural communities in Iowa that's growing uh, because of immigration. And that immigration is tied into a hog complex, a hog, corn, soybean complex, uh, more recently tied into ethanol production. Uh, so that immigration flow is all tied into a kind of a conversion in Iowa agriculture over the last, uh, you know, 40 years. My career started uh, in community journalism in Algona, Iowa, which is about 90 miles from Storm Lake uh, in north central Iowa. And uh, it, it was there that we were uh, uh, hit by the farm crisis in, about in the mid-1980s and uh, where uh, farm had, farmland prices had reached record highs and uh, farmers were bidding up land prices and then 22% uh, interest rates brought all that crashing down. Corn prices dropped, land prices dropped in half. Uh, farmers were moving to Oklahoma, they were blowing their brains out in barns and uh, uh, and it led to a complete transformation in rural Iowa. These 67 out of Iowa's 99 rural counties have lost population every year, uh, Storm Lake being an anomaly. As uh, technology and chemistry have contributed, uh, they accelerated what was already a decline in, in, uh, in rural population uh, and, and accelerated it with the farm crisis to the point where um, the family farm as we knew it in my childhood is gone. There is no farm anymore with some hogs and chickens and cattle and goats and uh, milk and herd and uh, that's, that's gone. It doesn't exist. There's, everybody's a specialist now. There's a guys farming a thousand or two thousand acres, growing only corn and soybeans, and you growing it on a petrochemical base essentially, and uh, using nitrogen fertilizer. And uh, the hogs have all been moved indoors to confinement buildings and are owned by uh, companies out of North Carolina and uh, other foreign interests. And uh, likewise, poultry is all moved indoors, and this is also a major poultry production center for both turkeys and eggs. So it's attracted a, a large Latino population. Farming's become spe very specialized uh, and uh, very, uh, very chemical intensive, and which allows scale and uh, efficiency, and the egg supply chain from the seed to the chemicals to uh, everything is tied up in, in this in this ag supply chain in a mature industry that constantly seeks efficiency. And so that's kind of what, what we've been exploring here over the last 27 years since the newspaper was founded is how, do these, how does a rural community cope uh, in this rapidly changing world market um, and uh, where actually world populations are coming to our doorstep. And so it's been uh, the mission of the newspaper to chronicle kind of that transformation from a town of, in my childhood, 7,000 people, so it's doubled in size probably. Uh, there was one black person in town and one gay person, and, and, uh, and now it's, uh, you know, at least half people of color. And that has implications uh, for uh, the community, 
both immediate and long term. Immediate, it took a lot of uh, a lot of adjustment for people to adjust to new cultures, people speaking different languages. You know, there's a Buddhist temple here now, and this was a, you know a hundred percent Christian town. So these are all adjustments that people make, and sometimes they're uncomfortable, but but they've made those adjustments. And at the same time, agriculture, as I say, has, has intensified. We're planting more corn per acre than we used to. We're use, we've uh, increased our nitrogen fertilizer use by five times since over the past 50 years. Uh, so the result has been a degradation in the landscape of Iowa. And uh, there's a lot, uh, soil is eroding at an accelerated pace since 1980 because of climate change. And climate change has also made our soils wetter, which allows all this huge increase in nitrogen fertilizer to find its way to our surface waters, both our lakes and our rivers. And eventually it ends up in the Mississippi River, and eventually it ends up in the Gulf of Mexico. And so the Des Moines Water Works sued our county and two adjacent counties for nitrate pollution in the Raccoon River, which feeds the Des Moines drinking water supply. And so Des Moines has to clean up this polluted river, and they use salt to clean the nitrate out of the water. And then they have a permit from the Iowa Department of Natural Resources to then dump that sludge. It's too toxic for the land, so they just dump it back in the river downstream from Des Moines. So then people in New Orleans have to deal with it, which they don't deal with it either. So it goes into the Gulf of Mexico, and it's creating a dead zone there that's destroying the fishing industry, the shrimping industry in particular, and uh, it's causing this, uh, uh, this size of New Jersey, and it's an oxygen deprivation zone in the Gulf of Mexico caused primarily by Iowa and Illinois uh, row crop production. So the Des Moines Water Works sued and uh, our county and said that uh, this was point source pollution under the Clean Water Act, that these drainage systems that we've installed here in northern Iowa to get, get rid of this, these wetter soils uh, wrought by climate change, uh, the Water Works wanted to remediate that pollution and uh, avoid building a new nitrate removal system. and. Uh, it was cast as a war between urban and rural Iowa um, by the governor, and uh, the agribusiness interests dug in deeply to fight it. And uh, the counties had no insurance, so they agreed secretly with uh, many of the leading agribusinesses in Iowa to finance their defense. And uh, we demanded to know who those donors were, and the county refused to tell us, and we went through a long uh, proceeding where we went back and forth and were jawboning, trying to get this information uh, because we knew they had met with Monsanto and Coke Fertilizer, the Coke brothers. So we wanted to get a list of those donors so we knew who was actually running the defense of our county. Our county was being sued, that is, I was being sued, and I would like to know who's pulling the chains. And uh, we never could precisely find out through their document releases 
um, but it did force the county to disassociate themselves from the secret legal slush fund. So we got this dirty money out of the federal court system, but then shortly thereafter the judge dismissed the Des Moines Water Works case saying that um, the counties didn't have standing to be sued uh, because they had no authority under state law to remediate a pollution claim, which is why they didn't have pollution insurance in the first place. So the case was dismissed on a, on a as they say, a legal technicality, um, which was not necessarily a technicality, it's a fundamental question, and it was also a question that was considered by the Iowa Supreme Court in parallel. So we wrote a, a series of editorials demanding these records and uh, demanding that the counties seek a mediated solution with the Des Moines Water Works that could benefit everybody and, and maybe even make farmers more prosperous by using more sustainable techniques. And the counties refused, and uh, so we got into this big uh, editorial campaign and, and battle. And uh, we won the Pulitzer Prize for it in uh, April of 2017. Um, we got the dirty money out of the court system, but Iowa never got a hearing on what industrial agriculture has done to our environment or uh, what it does to human health uh, when cyanotoxins are in our surface waters. And so we won the Pulitzer Prize. Um, so people said we were anti-farmer, and my question is, well, no, we weren't. My wife was reared on a farm near the Des Moines River, uh, from which the Des Moines Waterworks <laughs> draws its drinking water. Uh, and my father-in-law still owns that farm and uh, up there. And so I'm not anti-farmer, but the kind of farm my father-in-law had doesn't exist anymore in Iowa. We have, a, a, we have farm corporations now, some of which are more beneficent than others. And, uh, you know, some are very good uh, uh, natural resource stewards, and some are very bad. They plant crops into the rivers, they plant crops into lake banks, and they, they do so without any, uh, any threat of penalty because, it's, because agriculture is sacred in Iowa. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's sacrosanct. And you just can't sue Iowa agriculture. That's what we found out the Des Moines Waterworks found out, and that you really can't have uh, a substantial hearing on this question because it threatens the very ag supply chain um, that Monsanto and the Koch brothers are all bound up in. And you pull out one thread of that supply chain and the whole chain falls apart. Uh, you affect ethanol production, that you affect corn prices, which affects hog prices, uh, which affects how much fertilizer is used the following spring depending on markets. So it's a very, very complicated question. But in the meantime, we're losing our soil. Our best soil is now in the mouth of the Mississippi River in the Gulf of Mexico. We used to have about 14 inches of good black topsoil in the Des Moines Lobe region here uh, of northern Iowa, which is the, the, what we call the buckle of the corn belt. It's the world's most productive corn region. And we've gone from 14 to zero inches of black topsoil because we're losing soil at a rate of two to five tons a year when it can only regenerate at a half a ton a year. And climate change 
is exacerbating these problems and is already showing uh, impacts on corn productivity from soil loss brought by these extreme weather events. And, and so what we're trying to do, and I'm actually writing a book about it now, um, which is why I'm articulating it the way I am, because it basically follows <laughs> the idea of the book. And uh, it'll be released by Viking Press, hopefully in a year or less, I would hope. But And that's a result of winning the Pulitzer Prize. And so I'm trying to write a story about Storm Lake that goes back to how the prairie was formed by the glacier, which was the Des Moines lobe of the Wisconsin glacier. And uh, how it gave the world this this uh, huge natural resource base of soil and how we frittered it away in, in just a century and how the world's food security depends on us uh, being good stewards but people seem to place no value in that. The market doesn't place any value in stewardship. It places value in cheap corn. It's, yeah, we're in this uh gratification now, uh, sustainability, it's like... <laughs> right, yeah. but nature demands sustainability because we won't be able to grow corn here in 30 to 50 years if we keep going at the current rate. There won't be any soil left. So nature will, we will change, uh, but we're just not changing fast enough, and so the change is not going to be very comfortable for us. And this has been a pretty comfortable place. You, you have to be a pretty bad farmer not to get a corn crop here. Now, South Dakota, that's pretty tough, you know. Uh, Nebraska, that's pretty tough. Iowa, this was the land between two rivers. It was paradise for agricultural production. And we are shitting it down the river. If you don't mind going back, to, I'm very interested in the, uh, you know, the immigration thing. And I'm very interested in the population and the... Uh, you know the uh, the people of color and um, you know the Latino community, and um, that's obviously a subject that uh, is on a lot of people's minds. Yeah, right. Uh, and and uh, this certainly is uh, you know as a as a state or well, it's re it's related. It's a, it's all related to the farm crisis because meatpacking used to be a good second job. Well, first of all, it was a great union full-time job, but a lot of these guys would raise hogs on the side, and uh, the, or they were they were work, trying to support the farm by working at high grade in town, which was then high grade. Then it became IBP, and IBP busted the union, and all those farm people simultaneously the farm crisis hit, and all those people who were farmers and meat cutters all of a sudden uh, were crimped out of both businesses. <laughs> you know, it was a double whammy. And uh, all those farm people disappeared that were populated, those farm boys, those hay balers that could get in there and cut meat were gone. They went to Oklahoma or Texas during the oil boom. And there's nobody left to staff the meat packing plants. So, uh, it so happens that the Vietnam War ended about the same time, and the entire Governor Bob Ray moved the entire Thai Dom culture from uh, refugee camps in Thailand. These are Laotian people, and they moved them all from 
refugee camps in Southeast Asia to Iowa, so the culture could be intact in Iowa, which is kind of a strange concept, but it worked. The two main beachheads were Des Moines and Storm Lake, and so that hence the Buddhist temple in Storm Lake. And there's about 300 of them who populated the uh, IBP plant after high grade closed when the union refused to give them concessions. And so the, the high grade shut down the plant, it was dark for a year, and then the, the IBP reopened it using some old high grade laborers, but mainly uh, Laotian refugees. And uh, that busted the union. And so there's still some lingering resentment there. Um, and furthermore, weren't these the guys we were fighting? Well, no, they were actually doing our murder for us. They were CIA operatives, and so were the Hmong. And uh, so we've got Hmong and Laotians in Storm Lake. And then there weren't enough of them as IBP continued to ramp up production. There just weren't enough Thai Dom people. So they had to get them somewhere, and there weren't any farm boys left, so they went to Mexico. And, uh, well, first they went to the borders, and and then word spread into rural Mexico, which would be, had been uh, in upheaval from NAFTA uh, in 1990. We had basically flooded the Mexico with corn, and the peasant farmers had to go out to El Norte to get a job because they couldn't grow corn. And, uh, and the people from Jalisco and Chiapas, the rural people, all flooded north to Wichita and uh, Garden City and uh, Storm Lake, Iowa and Worthington, Minnesota to work in the meatpacking industry because white people just won't do it anymore. They're too lazy. And uh, they're paying, you know, okay, the unions were getting, you know, 44 grand a year in 1975 with overtime. That would equate to over 115 grand now. That probably was a little fat, okay? But Tyson took it down to four and a quarter an hour when they started, from 11.75 down to four and a quarter. So no white guys wanted to work there for that, right? Well, now they're paying 15.50, but the white guys are just too lazy to work there. And they'll bitch about, well, you know, nobody will give me a job, nobody will give me, well, no, they'll pay you 15.50 an hour out there, and if you got half a brain, you'll be in management, you'll be making 40 grand, 50 grand a year. You know, but they're also frickin' lazy uh, that they just want to sit around and bitch about Mexicans taking their jobs. And, uh, but could you get a guy to get out there and hoe a row these days? Hell no, they don't want to go out and slop a hog or birth a calf or, or slit a throat. No, they want to go write some code. And uh, so who's going to do the work? Somebody's got to work around here, and that's the Latinos are damn well, and the Laotians will work like a Mexican. <laughs> you know? They work. They're hard workers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they're beautiful people, and uh, we're surrounded by people from El Salvador and Honduras and... Uh, they just started living the American dream, and so it took Storm like you know the better part of 20 years to make that adjustment from a union town to a non-union town, from shit wages to now what's a living wage. And really, what do you expect for it? Uh, unskilled labor in today's, since Reagan busted the unions, we don't respect labor anymore. Uh, what do you expect in today's environment 
for a person with a third grade education who can't speak English. Or some dork who graduates from Storm Lake High School uh, and uh, has no ambition. And he's not even worth 15 bucks an hour. Right. Um, how about, uh, how about the, the, the status of a lot of these people? I mean, have you got a consideration? Well, we have, we have probably 50 per grade, so 50 times 12, so, you know, there's at least 600 undocumented children uh, in our schools, and uh, at least, probably double that. And, uh, but you'll never know. And uh, so, yeah. And but the schools don't ask about papers. The police don't ask about papers here. Uh, but they insist that we are not a sanctuary city. Um, we do, uh, we just are a city that doesn't ask people about papers. <laughs> so fair enough. Um, yeah, yeah. I you know I've read read something. Uh, you know, it might have been a, a New York Times uh, piece. Uh, they've done some interesting interesting uh, pieces. It was about. I have someplace, uh, I think it was Iowa, but anyway, uh, you know, uh, a lot of intensive labor for crops, you know, that kind of right. crop, and, uh, you know, stuff, well, all right, the community said, no, 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 we, you know, the, you guys can't come, the seasonal people, and whatever, and so crops rotting in the field. Oh, yeah, right, well, yeah, and that was, uh, uh, you know, do you want cheap pork or don't you? If you want to pay for it, uh, and if you want to put up with unions again, uh, then we could we could do all that. Uh, but nobody's going back there that I see. I'm all for it. <laughs> you know, I'm for some expensive pork chops uh, cut by union help. Uh, but nobody else is. So uh, so in the meantime, we're we're off. They're offering a wage of fifteen fifty an hour for somebody. Who, can be, who doesn't even have to tie your own shoes, you can get a job. And I don't, I'm having a hard time nowadays seeing what's wrong with that. And these people, you know, there's a lot of undocumented people, whether young or old, in Storm Lake. And I don't, Pete Domenici, who just died, former senator from New Mexico, his mother was an undocumented immigrant from Italy. And for all I know, my dirty papish Irish ancestors uh, came up the Mississippi River from New Orleans uh, in the middle of the night. I have no idea whether they had papers or not, but they spoke English, and they could bullshit their way through. Lots of, that's a big subject, a uh, big subject that I will continue to be. But, you know, I mean, Iowa is emptying out of people. Why wouldn't you want the hardest-working people in the world who would crawl through the Sonoran Desert or swim the Mekong River why wouldn't you want those people in your town who would do anything to make a buck? Now, if you're in a real American, you want to get out there and make a buck, these are your heroes. These should be your heroes. They're willing to die in a freight train so they can slaughter a hog in Storm Lake. They're willing to die in the back of a sweltering trailer so they can pluck a chicken in Eagle Grove, Iowa. You know, and you don't want those people? Well, then something's wrong with you. That's it for this episode of Dialogue from an American Mosaic. Follow along with us. Tell your friends. Uh, contact us. Maybe you have something to share with us on American Mosaic.